Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Kaylee Arusi. And I'm Jason Arusi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor. So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and free up your time. Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go live. All right, so welcome back to Multifamily Live podcast. We have Brent Bowers with us today. Hey, Brent, how you doing? I'm good, Jason. How are you? Oh, we're great, man. So we were just talking. So Brent's got a one, three, and five-year-old. We got a three, five, and seven-year-old. So we, we know the Romes. We're all just rocking and rolling through the awesome life we have here, man. So psyched to have you. So Brent's an Army officer with eight years of service. He spent a great deal of time away from his family. He knew he needed to make some changes in order to be more present with his wife and children. So in 2007, you know, that's when real estate began. He started purchasing his first home, and he just began exploring real estate just overall as a way to support his family by being able to enjoy more time with them as well. In a short amount of time, he was able to expand his business, hire a team, and most importantly, get to the goal, spend quality time with his family while still working hard and helping others. Brent invests in many different types of real estate. His favorite investment strategy is by buying and selling vacant land. And he enjoys sharing this expertise in the area with his coaching clients. And Brent chooses to live his life based on Bob Berg's quote. Add Bob Berg on the show. He's awesome. Really? Your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. He is passionate about helping other people find success in real estate investing, particularly in land investments. So actually, where are you located? I'm out in Florida now. I, I just actually moved back from Colorado to Florida in July. Wow. Months ago. Awesome, good, good, good. Well, we actually just, as we said, moved down from New Jersey to Tennessee. It's, it's been an awesome experience. And uh, so land, right? You get on this point start finding land. What was that first deal? Like what, what was the point that you, you found this as your core focus or the main piece that you really like to tackle? Yeah, I'll tell you what, the, the first deal was, uh, I, I just couldn't believe that it was that easy. Um, I had already owned probably, I think six rentals at that time. One of them was a triplex. I had wholesaled several houses. Um, hadn't got into multifamily yet. Um, besides my triplex. Um, and it was just, it was incredible. I literally sent out a bunch of postcards to the tax delinquent list. My phone blew up. I only had time to return like 20 of the phone calls. And out of those 20, I did two deals. I was still an army officer. So I was working like crazy. And that first deal, I purchased the land for $285. The seller told me the price. I didn't even have to negotiate. And I didn't know what it was worth. I called the real estate office right down the road. And that same realtor made me an offer for 5,000. So I literally... Spent $285 on a Tuesday, made $5,000 on a Wednesday. And I was like, there's no way I, this is, this is, this has got to be too good to be true. There's no way I can keep doing this. I did another one that weekend. And then I just kept rinsing and repeating and rinsing and repeating. And now I have an amazing team helping me with it. What do you really target? Like, what's the focus here? So I, I would assume that you want something with some development value right here, or maybe something that's going to add to someone's overall existing land right there. Is that, is that really the core focus or what do you go after? Jason, I'm probably like going to be the, the least complicated, le less, least analytical guy you've ever had on your show. Your listeners are going to be like, this guy, he's, he's crazy. I target land at discounts. People ask me all the time, what kind of land do you not buy? The not profitable stuff. Oh, and by the way, if there's environmental issues, I won't buy that either. I look for a piece of land that I can get at a discount and turn around and sell it for a little bit more. So I'll ask the, the, the follow-up question to that, because usually <laughs> when people complicate stuff, right, what happens, they never get started. So this is a good place to be here. But how do you look at the discount and say, okay, this is a discount? 
Yeah. So what I'll do is I, you know, I look at what the stuff's selling for in the area. Um, you know, I had someone the other day, one of my students asked me, hey, the county has has classified it as wasteland. Should I buy this stuff? And I was like, well, look at other land in that area and see what it's going for. And literally just, sh you know, shoot them a low ball offer, like literally an anchor price. If you can get it at a discount, 100% buy it. So how do I figure out what it's worth? I look at Zillow. I look at Redfin. I look at landwatch.com and I see what the stuff's going for. And if it's going for 10,000 an acre and I want to be somewhere less than 50 cents on the dollar, I'm going to offer 5,000 an acre. Or, you know, I, a couple of years ago, I used to get literally land at 10, 20, 30 cents on the dollar before all this COVID stuff started happening and people started pushing out and like in the boonies and wanting more acreage and getting away from people. They stopped going to Disney world and they start buying campers, um, which is nuts. Now I've seen literally land go from a buyer's market to a seller's market in like the last 18 months. So I'm paying a little bit more, but here's the thing. I can sell it easier and for more. Yeah. I love that. So you're looking today on, on your land option, of course, multifamily live, targeted multifamily. Um, in, any advice for someone who, who's looking at multifamily development, right? Or looking at parts in the park, um, how, how would they target the right piece of land to really accompany the, a multifamily project? There's a couple plays you can make on that. You know, there's so many niches in land, really. There, I, I know people that literally only buy land with a house on five acres where they can subdivide uh, the other four acres and flip the house and own the land for free. Uh, you can also go and see what the county zones that land for. Um, and I'm not huge on zoning. I just really just stick to really simple land, residential land. But you can go in and let's just say, what's the zoning for land where you're at? What's it called? What's the uh, the, the three-digit code for, for the land? Uh, for just land itself? I, I I'm sorry. To this area for multifamily. Sorry, I said that wrong. Uh, yeah. what's, the, what's it like RAS or... It's going to be a RM residential multifamily. Then it's going to be the number of density of units you can get on the, on the acre. So say it's a 12 or an 18 or a 24, depending on, on what's the density allowed. So RM 12 for a 12, 12 unit, right? Correct. So that's all you have to do. And, and every county is a little bit different. So you look for that RM classification on list source or prop stream and only pull list that's already zoned for RM or could be rezoned easily for RM. That's that's one way you can narrow down into a couple counties. And that's what I find with land. I got to be in a couple counties because you run out of land pretty quick. That's zoned RM. So you might have to do it statewide. But that's one way you can focus just on multifamily land right there. And you're looking just like a list source for going for lists like that? Or, or is there some other place where you're really targeting your list? List source. I use priced P-R-Y-C-D, which is really cool because it tells you. Yeah like what the land's worth, what their estimation is. Um, I use PropStream. Um, I've really been heavily using uh, Priced lately. And then I actually just uh, contracted another company uh, to take care of all my marketing. And they're big on data tree. So there's so many, there's so many list pullers out there. They're, they're all, you know, about the same, if you ask me. Yeah. And so, you know, upsides, right? No tenants, you know, uh, not, no improvements you have to make. So nothing you have to do on that part. Um, you know, yeah. talk to us the downside. So what are, what are some of the pitfalls here that, that hopefully people can watch out for or some of the things that they look out for in terms of when you're, when you're contacting um, potential seller, you know, besides just what could be some of the typical things that are out there? 
yeah, let me give you some downsides. Um, you pay a lot of taxes on the, 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 the money that you receive when you flip land or you sell or finance land. It's a huge tax bill at the end of the year. That's why I have to buy multifamily. That's why I have to be in multifamily syndicates. And because that money I where I own the building, now I can depreciate all the improvements and I can virtually pay no taxes because I take the money from our land or some of it. I don't take all of it. I take some of the money and put it into buildings, my office building, our 19 unit apartment complex, houses, rentals, yeah. and I completely eliminate my tax bill. So that's the right. downside. Are you, well, no, it's a good, it's a good one though, right? Because we all, <laughs> we all want to be able to be paying more tax and we're doing the thing and we want to use the powers of real estate to get back our depreciation, right? So, which is awesome, which is one yeah. of the powers of multifamily itself. So the, the 19 unit you talk about or, or your rental house, are they targeted to Florida where you are now? No, the, uh, uh, Colorado Springs is where my office and my, the, the 19 unit is. Um, we bought it. It was, uh, you know, very rough. You know, when we bought it uh, out of the 19 units, I think 10 were occupied and there was no leases. If they could afford 600 bucks, they got to move in. And that was the last time they ever paid again. <laughs> so we've been renovating that now. It took us, it's almost taken two years. Uh, it's, it was quite the, you know, the bite to take, take off, but um, you know, it's another downside. How do, how do we comp land? Uh, it's like a blank canvas. Sometimes it like people can't get over that. That's why I keep it so simple. You can look at the value add. What's it going to be worth if we put 44 townhomes on it? What's going to be worth if we put, you know, 40, 40 single family homes, or is it zoned for apartment complex? That's where people can get in the weeds and never even pull the trigger. So I'd say yeah, that's yeah. another downside, like really just getting in analysis paralysis. I hate that those two words. That's most of, you know, everything with life and also real estate, right? So you just think about anything, right? So if, if we're going to analyze every piece of it, we'll never get started because real estate, I mean, just with land, we could, we could go in every different direction with this conversation, right? There's a million <laughs> different ways we could win. There's a million different ways that we could do a deal, not do a deal, do some part of a deal, right? But if we don't do the action steps to figure out the best questions, right? Because when our multifamily journey started, I, I realized that I, I'm never going to figure out all the questions. I got to do to find out the questions I need to get to the better answers, right? And that's, that's most of this. And even you, you know, the 19 unit, right? If you try to figure out all these parts, but like, okay, what do I do with these tenants running apart without getting it started, right? And now you turn around the deal, you would have never gotten started on the deal. You said, oh, well, this is too many questions. I'm not going to get started. You know, how, how did you find that 19 unit up there or what made it stand out? Uh, you know what, how I found that one actually was with a cold collar I had uh, hired and funny story. She was actually ripping me off. Uh, she would, uh, she would, we were using Mojo Dial back, Dialer back then. I think this was in 2000, when we buy this thing in 2019 timeframe. Um, she would call the first call and then take about a 45 minute break. And I could hear the, the TV in the background. So she would make one call and then leave the line connected so she could run the clock out because I would pay her by the hour but then i noticed like you're barely making any phone calls <laughs> so she was actually stealing from the company but but got this lead from this guy he's like yep i'm cashing out he was actually literally moving to tennessee uh actually he'd already lived in tennessee um he had completely left it and was was a, a long distance landlord so it was like a perfect deal those are awesome you know you find that point where it's People say, well, how do you find deals today? It's like, there's, there's always opportunities out there, but you have to find where it meets. Like, okay, yes, it is a seller's market, 
right? That doesn't mean every seller understands that narrative or every seller is in a position to take and take advantage of that opportunity, right? So even yeah. with land, right, there's people here, you know, maybe that 245, I think it was, purchase you made in the beginning right there. Those are out there because there's someone out there who's getting hit with some kind of bill right now. It's like, man, I don't have 245 hours, but I wish That's I had true. Brent Bowers hit me with a letter so I can literally just take this, take this problem away. I don't care what they do. I just don't want the problem, right? And yep. so the real estate is solving problems. How do you solve problems, create solutions, right? And so I think the emphasis of looking at the market cycle is that, yeah, okay, might take more time to dig and find a deal today. Might take a little more effort to, to get to that deal. Uh, might cost a little bit more, but there's a ton of you know more liquidity out there in the market for you on the back end if you want to go sell it, or if you want to find investors to come into your deal, or even find lenders. I mean, everything in between. So you, you know, I think we look at both sides of the cycle. It all it always comes full circle. Um, how are you using your approach now today um, in terms of, of really gauging um, your focus? Just you said keeping it simple, rolling through. Anything changing as we're looking at the dynamics of, uh, of course. Um, I guess the need to build out there yeah. of how you're focusing. Absolutely. Um, you know, as far as how we're focusing, we still, we still buy the stuff, the recreational land, uh, the stuff that's like call it on the teeter totter, like it's teeter tottering right outside of the, the path of growth. I love that stuff because I can still buy that at massive discounts and turn around and sell or finance it to buyers that want to have the American dream, just own a piece of land. And Americans think on payments, like how much is it going to cost me each month? When they get a raise, they go and buy a new vehicle because now they can afford that extra three, four, five hundred $500 a month, or they buy a piece of land. I mean, these government stimulus checks have been incredible for my land business because people have been buying land with it. They're like, oh, inflation, I'm going to park it in land, something called land banking. Or they'll send an extra $3,000 to their note to pay down on their land note. Um, but one thing I'm starting to see is there is such a demand right now for new houses, affordable housing, apartments, that these developers can't find land fast enough. So we've been working on, you know, probably five, large parcels of land right now uh, that people have raised their hands said, I want to sell. And we're, we're talking to planners, making sure the, the city planning department, making sure that, you know, what, what are your goals? What are you guys needing more of? Is it single family? Is it multifamily? Is it, is it townhomes and matching that development with a real estate investment trust or a hedge fund or a builder that's looking to buy these. So we've now started kind of fishing for whales while we're making the, the predictive cash flow over here with the rec recreational land or the buildable lots in town, because that's great. It's you can you can get the five, 10, 15, 20 thousand dollars a month of passive income very easily. And that's that's a great living. But now we're also looking at other things that can, you know, pull us a three, four, five hundred thousand dollar assignment fee on one deal. See, that's perfect. And that was that was part of my conversation, wondering if you've gone down that route, right? Because of course, on the same side, right, you find that great piece of land. Not every person can see the vision like you saying, oh, well, you could go in there and develop this. I'll, I'll get, you know, entitlement in place. I'll get, you know, zoning on board. I'll get everybody here. It's a wrap package. All you got to do is go there and get a shovel and start digging. And let's go to work, right? And yeah. that person's like, sweet. Because now yeah. you open a whole other buyer pool that's like, that's, that's what I want, right? Because there's always yeah. both sides. But just like anything like we just talked about here, that person gets stopped. Like, oh, man, it's going to take so much work. You come here, sure. Now you got, it's cool because you you get the roll, right? You got your 5, 15, your 20K things coming in that are rolling with the land, just, you know, plucking it off to people here. And now you can go the other way here. Now you, you do a couple of these and that really sets the narrative with the team. So that, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Do one a year, you know, and that's like literally generational wealth. 
um, on one of these. And I evolved into this. I didn't just run out there and say, I'm going to do developments today. No, I did about 287 boring land deals. And I say boring, but I love it because it's predictable. It's like, I call it the McDonald's method. Squirt two little squirts of ketchup, put two pickles on it, put the buns and go to the next. That's something a, a, a virtual assistant in another country um, that barely speaks English can do for $5 an hour. Like it literally, we, we do the assembly line um, and, and you, you, you know, you said it best there if a little bit ago, like if people think there's no deals, it's a seller's market. They're going to, they're right, but I don't care what market it is. There's always deals. There's always, you can either buy it low or, and sell a little higher or, you know, buy it and then ride it up and value add. There's just so many ways to work these deals and it's just so much opportunity. I just say for the listeners, just, just get started with one thing focus on that and build it and automate it, delegate it, and then do the next thing. And hopefully it does get boring because that means you're probably making money in it. Yeah, I was just going to say the slim, the simple side of it is is the key, right? Because we all want things to be so complex because just we're, our brains are just it has to be complex. It's got to be harder than this, right? So I got I got to Brent, I got to be harder, man. Tell me how I can make this harder. Tell me how I can make this harder to never do it, right? But if you just get back to the easy part, let's just say, okay, this is what you do, and you can do it consistently. You set up a team, and you can figure out how to do the next piece that goes with it, right? That's how you win. And so many times we look at the other way. Oh, well, let's make it more complicated. Let's see if I can do this crazy thing where I'll set this up. I'll get zoning. I'll do 57 Airbnb little short-term, you know, trailers out there or something. And you're just like, and you never get started because it's so complex. You can't even explain it to yourself. Right? That's so, so true. How am I going to get to $27,000 a month? Yeah. Brother, how many deals have you, how many land deals have you done? I, I haven't done one yet. Well, let's think about the first one. Like you must be talking to my students because they're like, it can't be this easy. It can't be just picking a county and getting a list of landowners and then communicating with that list with a postcard or a text message or a phone call and then getting that land for as little as possible. And I mean, stuff like where sometimes you just got to give an offer that makes you want to throw up. And you ask how many real estate investors, like sometimes I ask, have to ask my acquisition, I have two acquisition managers. It's like, all right, when's the last time you got uncomfortable making an offer? Oh, it's been a while. Well, that is not what I want to hear. <laughs> I want yeah, you to be uncomfortable too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then That's we sell it, it for a little bit more. That's it. You got to take that first step. You know, we're like so in the, in our mastermind, we talk about that first step. Get you out of the gate. You're talking about you know working for your hundred mile here. You know, it takes it with one step. If you worry about mile hundred, you're never going to get out of the gate because your mind's never been there, right? So you'd be like, oh, this must be too much. But if you just get that first step out, you know, get yourself five miles in. Say, okay. I just got to get five miles in, figure it out. Okay, you get five miles, you get another 10 miles. Okay, let me just get there and figure it out. Let me get to the next aid station, next bridge. Let me just get 200 steps, 500 steps, run to the river. Let me just get to that next aid station all of a sudden 100 miles, right? So it was never 100 miles, but it was 100 miles because you just said, okay, let me just take that step and figure it out. And that's most of everything that happens with life. That is so good. That is so good. And that's one reason why, like I haven't ran 100 miles yet. I want to just like, I don't even know if I can do that. And I, I like, it's just, that seems like such an accomplishment, but it starts with it, one man. mile at a time or one yep. step at a time. We call them small wins. That's Each it. step is a small win. hundred percent. Brent, I, I really enjoyed the conversation, man. So for everyone listening here, um, talk to us a little more about how they find you, how to connect with you, all the, all the good stuff. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Jason. It's great to talk to other like-minded guys. I really enjoy jumping on these podcasts. Um, so as far as how to find me, you know, if, if you if you're interested in like checking out land as a good addition to your already existing business, or maybe you're just getting started, um, you know, check out thelandsharks.com. That's thelandsharks.com. Schedule a call. Uh, my team will see what your goals are. And if we're a good fit, I'd be honored to coach you. And if maybe you just want to check more into this, and you don't want to talk to anybody, head over to my YouTube channel. I just launched it. Brent Bowers. Love it. Love it, man. I was thinking it was going to be like land rhino with the rhino behind us. So it should. Well, yeah. You know why that rhino is behind me, right? It's yeah, to remind me that we got to keep charging. Remember that thing's got three inch thick skin. He takes torpedoes. He's not a cow yeah. eating grass, getting fat. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a quick story. So I, I, I've had two bulldogs in my life. The one lived to 15 and uh, Jack the Rhino, well, I, I, I named him there. And I actually uh, opened a brewery and I called the parent company. I opened and sold a brewery, called the parent company, Jack the Rhino Brewing Company. I was like, this, I can't use this name. So, so on that front, I, I ended up calling it um, Alphabet City Brewing Company um, over in New York City. Uh, but it's still, I, I ended up having that dog. I love that dog. I, he was our mascot. I literally had him on the part. He, he handled customer relations. People would call the dog try and call the dog off the website. It was ridiculous. So it, that, that was some good times, but I always had the rhino at my heart here because he was literally, literally a rhino. We just come in the door and just pull through. If he wanted something, we just go for it. Right. didn't matter what was in front of him. I see him drag tables with a leash just because he wanted to go get a, a snack or something. It was, it was crazy. But yeah, I wish I could have met him. That's a great name. Jack the rhino. I think you should change the name back to Jack the rhino. Yeah. I've, I've passed on to others uh, now. So what an affront. I, I think it, it could always have a, a reboot, right? Could always be another, another life cycle of it, man. Well, That's right. Cause I don't even remember what you said. You changed the name to like, but I remember Jack the rhino. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Brent, thank you so much, man. Super appreciate your time. See you later.